You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. TransLink releasing some new details today about two major Metro Vancouver transit projects and what we'll get for the money. And the bill has already increased by nearly a billion dollars for the biggest component. Our Grace Key joins us live with more on the Broadway, uh, the Broadway subway line in Vancouver and an at-grade light rail line in Surrey. Grace? Yeah, we're just at the VCC Clark Station, oh, the start of one of the projects, the Millennium Line Extension, one of the projects that are seeing an increase in cost. The price tag for a couple of major transit projects has jumped by almost a billion dollars compared with original cost estimates in 2015. New numbers show the Broadway Line Extension will cost $2.83 billion. That's a 24% increase. The Surrey-Newton-Guilford Light Rail, $1.65 billion. That's a 33% increase. TransLink CEO says there's a number of reasons for the increase. Both of these projects require a significant amount of property acquisition. And, and as everyone knows, property values have increased dramatically in this region. Uh, at the same time, the Canadian dollar is, is lower in value compared to the United States dollar uh, from when these, these costs were, uh, when the programs were first uh, cost estimated. TransLink released new details into phase two of the 10-year transportation plan estimated at $7.3 billion. Construction for the two projects would begin in 2020. The Surrey-Newton-Guilford line to be completed in 2024 and the Broadway extension with six new stations to be done in 2025. This is the result, however, of these cost estimates, two years of very, very rigorous work, engineering work, uh, public consultations, uh, and due diligence peer reviews as well to ensure that these costs at this point in time are reasonable to take it to the next phase of the program going forward. There will also be more service for people who take the bus and SkyTrain. The Expo and Millennium Lines will have 108 new cars and starting next year, increased service. Canada Line passengers will see more service in 2020. There will be new bus service in Vancouver, Surrey and North Vancouver and two new B lines in Richmond and Surrey and a 7% increase in Handy Dart service. I'm sure a lot of transit users have a lot of uh, things to say about this. Grace, when will the public have a chance to weigh in? Well, starting today, the public can learn more about the project and give some online feedback. You can find that on the TransLink website that's going to be going on for the next couple of weeks. There's also going to be eight open houses that will be held around the region. Sophie? Grace Key reporting in Vancouver. Grace, thank you. All right, let's check in with Keith Baldry now, too. Joins us live from Victoria to talk more about cost increases. Keith, uh, obviously this is not an anomaly. There are other projects that have ballooned as well. Oh, yeah, the list is a long one, Chris. In fact, it was hard-pressed to find a major project that came in on time and on budget compared to the original estimates. But I picked uh, a list of them. You're not going to be impressed by some of the numbers here. But first of all, the Portman Bridge, originally estimated to, co to cost $2.46 billion, it came in at $3.3 billion. That's an increase of about 33% over budget. Uh, the South Fraser Perimeter Road, again, the province's share ballooned here because the feds didn't want to increase their share. So their share increased to 42% over budget. 
budget. The Evergreen SkyTrain line came in well over budget from $410 million to almost $600 million. Again, an, average, an increase of 43% over the original estimate. BC Place was originally supposed to be about a roof replacement. It changed, turned into something quite uh, bigger than that as a result, a 41% increase over the original budget there. And finally, the Vancouver Convention Center is sort of the granddaddy of them all in terms of a big percentage uh, over budget. We're talking about 70% over what originally had been on the table under the Gordon Campbell government. So again, hard-pressed to find a mega project out there that hasn't come in over budget and not on time. What about the reasons for it? Is there a common thread uh, through all of the overruns that time is, is money? Does it come right down to that? I think that's a big part of it. I've, I've covered a lot of these overruns, and the, the original estimate comes out a few years go by. The cost of materials and construction, that starts to go up big time. The scope of the project also can get bigger. I mentioned BC Place, supposed to be about a roof replacement. It became a general renovation, and that's why uh, costs uh, started to balloon on that project. And who knows whether that budget you saw today in TransLink is going to be the final numbers. I have a feeling those final numbers will be even bigger than the ones they released today. Let's, let's see where we're at in 2020. All right, thanks very much, Keith. Gas prices in Metro Vancouver breaking record after record. Over the weekend, they topped $1.61 a litre, setting a new all-time record for North America. Aaron MacArthur has more on the pain at the pump and why one economist says it has more to do with greed than supply. Ouch. The price at the pump is so painful it's forced more than a few people out of their cars permanently. Did you notice the price of gas? I don't because I gave up my car... uh five years ago. Is that right? So I don't care what it is. <laughs> I mean, at this kind of price, it's good. It's good to get people out of their cars walking. As prices climb, maybe to 165 by Victoria Day, plenty of fingers pointing blame. The Prime Minister says Kinder Morgan needs to finish. We need to both grow the economy and protect the environment at the same time. Uh, and that means moving forward on projects that are in the national interest. BC Liberals say it's the NDP's fault, the carbon tax piling on. It's a pretty straightforward proposition. A one penny increase in the carbon tax is not the problem. The problem is a 25 cent increase over a couple of weeks because we're not producing enough finished product. An independent economist says it's none of those things. The supply problem is manufactured and that oil companies are simply gouging British Columbians. I think the supply uh problem has been concocted. Uh, There's no evidence to support one exists at all. What we do see is that refinery and marketing margins are abnormally high, so we're being taken advantage of in our marketplace. British Columbians who don't feel like getting gouged, heading south where the lineups are long. There are even deals north of the border. Costco and Coquitlam slashing the price by nearly 20 cents today. The pain not expected to ease off. For several more weeks yet. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And if this doesn't say it all, gas prices are up in Calgary, of all places, with some stations sitting around $1.339. Experts pointing once again to a refinery slowdown, this time in Edmonton, creating a crimp in supply. I was amazed and I was like, how are they allowed to do this? And something to brag about in Bragg Creek, just west of Calgary. Drivers feeling like they won the lottery today. An unbelievable deal at the Shell gas station celebrating its last day open by selling gas for 32 cents a litre. Choosing that price because they first opened back in 1932. And as you can see, it caused quite the commotion and long lineups.
Some witnesses stepped in to make a dramatic citizen's arrest in Tawasin this afternoon. It began with a report of a break and enter and ended when the suspect allegedly tried to car check a vehicle. Much of this caught on camera. Jay Durant is in our newsroom with more on this. Jay, that's when uh, members of the public stepped in. That's right, Chris. It started just around 1230 with a possible break and enter near Brandwith Park. It ended near Town Center Mall with a citizen's arrest. Now, witnesses say after crashing the U-Haul nearby, the driver attempted to take another vehicle in the area of the Town Center Mall. He was unsuccessful and apprehended by a number of citizens who handed him over to police when they arrived. The U-Haul allegedly ran a red light then clipped a vehicle, crossed the median on 56th, and then crashed into a van. Surprisingly, uh, we've had no reports of uh, any significant injuries in relation to this, so we're very grateful for that. And they had one, two, like, two regular civilians. Like One had his arm behind his back, like, lifted up, like real, like, like they didn't know what they were doing almost. It was crazy. And they escorted him all the way from behind um, our building here um, right to where the scene of the accident was and like held him down literally till the cops came. A lot of excitement in Tawasin today. Any witnesses who haven't spoken to police yet or who may have taken photos or videos are asked to contact Delta Police. Chris, Sophie? All right, Jay, thank you. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team called to the scene of a double homicide in Richmond today. The bodies of a man and a woman were found in a home in the 6600 block of Eckersley Road. The discovery came after reports of gunfire early this morning. Investigators have not released the identities of the pair, but say they were known to police. Our forensic specialists are trained and they have the knowledge and the skills and the experience to tackle these crime scenes. So um, it could take all day and it could spill into the coming days. The home is located across the street from an elementary school. And while investigators believe it was a targeted attack, they are reminding the public to be vigilant about personal safety. We are learning more tonight about the suspect in a string of slashing attacks in East Vancouver over the weekend. A 23-year-old Vancouver man has been charged with four counts of aggravated assault. Rumina Dea was in court today for his first appearance and explains what we've learned about his criminal history. That's where it starts, and it went here, and this is the deeper part where it's starting to bleed through the bandage. Gary Olver's neck was slashed in an unprovoked knife attack Friday. He came to court to look the suspect in the eyes and ask for this. I would like an apology from him, publicly, a public apology. Uh, and no matter however, however this goes, that's what I want to hear from this young man. Olver tells Global News a man lunged at him with an exacto knife for no reason Friday night around 8.20 near East Hastings and Princess Avenue. He says the man took off running through a yard as his spouse called 911. Four knife attacks in 30 minutes. Vancouver police believe the same suspect is responsible. The victims include a senior in her 80s who was also slashed across the neck. He came up and his teeth and he slashed me and came back and he slashed me again and he started laughing and he walked away. Joshua David Manier made his first court appearance on four counts of aggravated assault in connection to Friday's incidents. In a separate case, the 23-year-old was charged with two counts of aggravated assault dating back to February. Court documents also reveal a third charge for breaching conditions for possessing a weapon. A publication ban is in effect, so we can't tell you what happened in court. 
Duty counsel says he doesn't have to give a reason for a ban. He asked and the judge granted it. Olver will be back in court on May 15th when the suspect, who remains in custody, makes his next appearance. He should be, you know, looked after. I think he should be uh, evaluated and that he should get help. Romina Dea, Global News. Surrey RCMP releasing a composite sketch of a suspect wanted in connection with a sexual assault. It happened back in October. The victim attacked in broad daylight in Hawthorne Park near 144th Street. She'd been walking on a trail when she was grabbed from behind and sexually assaulted. The suspect is described as possibly mixed race or indigenous. He's approximately 5 feet 8 inches to 5 feet 9 tall with short black hair, a short well-groomed beard, brown eyes and flat broad nose. Anyone who may have seen or heard anything in that area is asked to contact Surrey RCMP. We can now show you video of an Abbotsford police officer allegedly caught stealing cash during a drug raid last year. The officer said it was a practical joke, but he's now the subject of an investigation. Jill Bennett is live in Abbotsford with our first look at that video. Jill. Sophie, in court today, a 45-second piece of that video was replayed as the defense lawyer for Brian McDonald argued all eight drug charges against his client should be stayed. Back in November, Abbotsford police conducted a raid of McDonald's home storage locker and vehicle. But it's the part in the home that has captured the attention. This is surveillance video from a camera inside one of the rooms. And in the three pieces of that surveillance played in court, you see an officer walk into the room and in one instance he picks up some money it is American bills on a table you see him put them down on a separate part of the table in another part of the video you actually see the officer leaf through some of the money now there is another part of the video where the officer bends down and that is where we are told that he stuffed the money into his sock now that's not seen on the video but in court last week that officer testified he put the money in his sock as part of an ill-advised practice joke, but then put it back, said he didn't steal anything. Well, defense says even if he didn't take anything, the act of doing that was an egregious breach of trust on the part of the officer and that the court must throw away these charges to distance itself from intolerable behavior by an officer. As you can imagine, Crown is fighting this, arguing that this does not mean that the charges should be stayed, that they should still go ahead. It will be up to the judge, and it's expected the arguments will continue tomorrow. Defense has wrapped up after showing that video again. Crown will continue making its arguments tomorrow. In the meantime, the officer remains on administrative uh, duties while the RCMP investigate to see if anything criminal took place. We'll find out more on that in the coming weeks and months as well. Sophie? Jill Bennett in Abbotsford. Jill, thank you. Right now, though, you know it's a big deal when the Prime Minister comes to town to be part of the official announcement. Justin Trudeau in Vancouver today as Amazon announces thousands of new jobs and big plans for the old post office. Ted Chernecki reports. When the BC Investment Management Corporation purchased this property five years ago, they could see its unique value. It's currently assessed at $240 million, up $60 million from a year ago. Amazon apparently sees the same value and has signed a long-term lease. We are investing in Canada because of the success we've had in recruiting and hiring exceptional, exceptionally talented and diverse innovators. That was the big surprise. Early rumors had Amazon simply using the old post office for a shipping warehouse, maybe adding a thousand new jobs, not 3,000, mostly in computer programming. 
No wonder the Prime Minister was here. Sorry to keep you uh, from your jobs this morning. Productivity will decline. Uh, but it's a good thing because we are truly building for the, a better future and a better Vancouver for us all. This was the opportunity for them. Commercial real estate experts say it makes total sense, given all the plans to renovate the existing building, adding two new towers. A tenant of Amazon's size gives the Seattle company a very large say in its design. Hey, there's about a million, just over a million square feet of office space under construction in downtown Vancouver due to be delivered around 2021. Um, they would have occupied... Um, you know, almost half of that. More liberal immigration laws is a big reason for Amazon expanding its Vancouver operation. It's gone from about 30 employees in 2011 when it first arrived to 1,000 today and an estimated 5,000 in the very near future. They have a presence here already. It's a strong presence. They're one of the largest uh, users of office space and one of the largest employers in Metro Vancouver. Uh, so they have a critical mass and I think this project uh, is the only one in Vancouver that allows the scale that they need to uh, ramp up their operations. Ted Chernacki, Global News. The provincial government today announcing millions of dollars in funding to help Surrey's overcrowded school system. The province will spend nearly $64 million building one new elementary school and expanding two existing schools. The NDP government says that will create 855 new student spaces. Now, the challenges in Surrey are extraordinary. It's the fastest growing district in the province. It keeps growing year after year after year. And we, as a province, have not kept pace. The government is also buying land for a second new elementary school. Hundreds of people have been forced out of their homes tonight as floodwaters rise across the B.C. interior. The larger-than-usual snowpack is now melting, causing flooding that could be worse than usual because of last year's wildfires. Jeff Hastings has the latest. You can see that it's uh, an angry river. The Bonaparte River is raging through Cache Creek, rising steadily with thousands of sandbags lining its banks. The Cache Creek ran through the village of Cache Creek this weekend, but the bigger Bonaparte is a far greater concern as low-level snowpack melts rapidly in unseasonably warm weather. Normally what we expect to see is uh, the flooding or, or the chance of flooding uh, later in the spring. Uh, here we are just the end of April and we've already had uh, catastrophic overflow. First flooding, then the wildfires, now back to flooding possibilities. The Bonaparte Indian Band is filling 15,000 sandbags, reminded last year that it pays to be prepared for disaster. Locals say there are streams where there were never streams before. This year it's, it's a, a little larger... Uh, concern than ever because of uh, the Elfin Hill fire that happened last year. There's really nothing holding back uh, the freshet or snowpack. Not far away, familiar flood prep in Cherry Creek. Reinforcing the banks that I got now, trying to keep it back in the channel. They hope the worst is already here. The channel is deeper now, it's washed deeper, we keep it in there, we'll be all right. In Tulemi, north of Princeton, about 300 properties are under evacuation order or alert. Otter Lake is coming up quickly already flooding properties. And in the Oliver area, more evacuations thanks to overreaching streams. Really just the onset of the snowmelt season now, and we see really high snowpacks through huge areas in the southern interior, the Okanagan into the Kootenays, and that central uh, interior area as well. So those are all areas where there's still lots of snow to come down, and so they'll continue to be at risk. And west of Quinell, there's a local state of emergency in the Nazco Valley. People have been evacuated. 
All of this, and there's an unusually hot week ahead. Jeff Hastings, Global News. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on what those regions can expect weather-wise. Christy? So if there was some relief over the weekend and also in the short term because a cold front, a weak one, is going to slide down the province tonight. Freezing levels will drop and slow the melt and temperatures tomorrow will be near seasonal. But starting Wednesday, freezing levels and temperatures are going to soar. Here's a glimpse of Thursday's heat mid-20s potentially, and then on Sunday, upper 20s. So very, very warm. And you'll notice that some of the key areas are the areas of concern, the key areas with heat. On the positive side, no major rain in the forecast. All right, we'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you, Christy. And while it may not feel necessary right now, water restrictions are about to take effect in Metro Vancouver. Restrictions kick in May 1st. That's tomorrow if you don't have your calendar handy, and they'll remain in place until October 15th. It's two weeks earlier than last year, a move aimed at conserving drinking water during the summer months. Residents can now water their lawn two mornings per week. That's down from three. Homes with even-numbered addresses can do it between 4 a.m. and 9 a.m. Wednesdays and Saturdays. And homes with odd-numbered addresses can water at those times on Thursdays and Sundays. Violators face fines of $250 to $1,000. The Toronto police officer responsible for this fatal shooting in 2013 that sparked widespread outrage has lost his appeal of his attempted murder conviction. Constable James Forcello fired two separate volleys of shots into 18-year-old Sammy Yatim, who was armed with a small knife. In upholding Forcello's conviction and his six-year sentence, Ontario's Court of Appeal found that the second hail of bullets was clearly unnecessary and excessive. The son of former B.C. MLA Judy Tayabji has pleaded guilty to a charge of drug possession. 30-year-old Kasmir Tayabji Sandana pleaded guilty to possessing acetyl fentanyl. Court heard that police intercepted a package addressed to Tayabji Sandana containing the drug. They replaced it with an inert substance and had a police officer posing as a Canada Post employee deliver the package. Tayabji Sandana has been sentenced to two years less a day, the first phase spent on house arrest, with some exceptions to allow him to attend university classes. He had no criminal record before this. Children and journalists are among the latest casualties of a relentless ISIS bombing campaign in Afghanistan. A suicide bomber struck a foreign military convoy in Kandahar, killing 11 children who were studying in a nearby school. And in Kabul, as Afghan police were securing the site of another bombing near NATO headquarters by a man on a motorbike, a second attacker posing as a cameraman in a crowd of reporters detonated his bomb. At least 25 died, nine of them journalists. ISIS has claimed responsibility. Now, a bizarre story in Calgary where police are investigating the discovery of a man's body in the wall of a downtown shopping mall. Police were called to the core shopping center after a plumber trying to fix a toilet found the body in the wall of the women's restroom. It's not known how long the body was in the wall or exactly how it got there. But police say the most likely explanation is that someone was crawling through the ventilation system and fell down into the wall. 
Well, the growing controversy over U.S. immigration policy is coming to a head at the California-Mexico border. Migrants from Central America who've been the target of Donald Trump's wrath have traveled thousands of kilometers to ask for asylum, saying they are facing persecution back home. Tonight, these are the faces of the desperate, locked out on the doorstep of the United States waiting. The migrant caravan, mostly women and children, some 150 fleeing violence in Central America and seeking asylum, have traveled nearly 3,000 miles. But the last 300 feet into the U.S. may prove impossible. Catherine says gangs in Honduras could kill her daughter Ashley if she doesn't pay for their protection. Arriving Sunday, the migrants can see freedom just beyond the border wall. Four weeks ago, the caravan began its journey near the Guatemalan border. On foot, by train and bus, they've slept on streets and shelters before finally reaching Tijuana. Cecilia Carrillo says she and her baby have nowhere to turn. The vice president today at the border. The 150 men, women and many small children that are being processed at our border are not far from here will be completely reviewed by our customs officials under our asylum laws. With many planning to apply for asylum under persecution of a social group, after the migrants surrender, they'll be interviewed. Some will be denied. Others could be allowed to enter the U.S. or be detained, awaiting an asylum decision that can take years and is often unsuccessful. Many here call this the point of no return. A desperate journey with one last roadblock that may be impossible to pass. A Brazilian surfer is now officially the new world record holder for the biggest wave ever surfed. That small speck in the middle of the screen is Rodrigo Cocha riding a massive wave in Portugal last November. The wave measured nearly 25 meters, breaking the old record of just under 24 meters set back in 2011. Kosha now officially holds the Guinness World Record for the biggest wave ever surfed. In Health Matters tonight, RCMP and Nanaimo are investigating three cases of food tampering involving Grimm's brand products. In each case, a pin similar to one used for sewing was found inside a package after it was purchased. The first incident happened in December. A pin was found inside a pack of pepperoni sticks bought at Costco. The second in February, again involving pepperoni sticks purchased at the Real Canadian Superstore. And the third incident took place in late March. This time, the pin was found in Ukrainian sausage from Fairway Market. Investigators believe the packages were likely tampered with while on display. Anyone with information should call RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A new study says some heart disease research doesn't include enough women. The U.S. FDA looked at the numbers of men and women who participate in clinical trials of heart medications and found that women were underrepresented. Because of that, doctors lack important information about how women might respond to different treatments. Heart disease is still the number one killer for both men and women. 
Can't wait to find out. Mm -hmm. All right. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is back with us with a look at our forecast. We have some sunshine, Christy. Yes. Towards the end of the day, a bit of blue sky to brighten things up a little bit. You can see a beautiful sunset there. We did have a few showers today, but yeah, a gradual trend towards uh, breaks of blue sky. Now, tomorrow is still a bit of a transition day, but we've got a sensational week in store for you. There's really two stories across the province. One is those of you in the interior. We talked about that cold front. That's going to swing down tonight. It's going to drop your freezing levels and keep the temperatures uh, during the day on the cool side. Meanwhile, the coastal regions will start to see things warm up tomorrow. We will see cloud cover in the morning, but conditions will clear. And those of you further inland, you can still see some cloud cover. The majority of the showers are off in the Columbia and the Kootenai region, though. As we head into the latter part of the week, though, this big warmth, big upper-level ridge continues to shift further east and starts to warm things up, even for those of you in through the southern interior. So we talked about the conditions. Here's an example of what you can expect uh, through the southern interior. Just to give you a perspective, 18 is average for this time of year. So tomorrow, 19 still on near average, but then all the way through the latter part of the week, right through until Monday, you will be well above average. And that's the case right across most regions in through the province. So that's why we are still very concerned about that snow melt. There's your tomorrow, everyone. As I mentioned, near seasonal, most of that cloud cover you see is through the morning period. You'll see the clearing happen throughout the day and the showers as I mentioned. Bulk of it overnight and through the morning hours in those eastern sections, Columbia and Kootenai region, but then conditions clear. And there is a very slight chance of showers in through the Fraser Valley, Hope, Chilliwack, Abbotsford tomorrow morning, and then you'll start to see things clear. 14 to 19 degrees across Metro Vancouver. We always see a range when we start to see the sunshine. By Thursday, up to 22 degrees inland. Friday, a little bit of a dip with some cloud cover. But Saturday, Sunday, we really start to soar. It looks like this coming weekend will be really nice. Keep in mind, we're still days away. Keep tuning back in and we'll find that forecast for the weekend. But this great shot from Laurel Thomas, she said that for the past five years, a family of geese have come into her yard. They, uh, I guess they uh, build a little nest right in her old um, uh, treehouse, she was saying. And mm. uh, they finally came out of the eggs the, just this morning. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the world. That's right. Beautiful little cute goslings. All right. So the original YouTube caption for our next video pretty much sums it up. When your university is located next to the Pacific Ocean, at some point, pelicans are bound to crash your graduation. As thousands of students and their families gathered for the ceremonies in Malibu, a couple of the giant birds decided to join the party. One tried to land right in the middle of the crowd, its huge wings sending people scrambling before taking wing again and finding some open space. When one man tried to pick it up, well, let's just say didn't really work out that well. The defiant pelican stood its ground for several minutes before a few officials in suits managed to wrangle it down to the beach. They look like um, Secret Service. They did, didn't they? I was, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Well, bad luck's better than no luck. Isn't it? <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. It might be the same. Know. Poor Canucks. Well, Poor Canucks. I mean, we were cheering for him this weekend. If you ever go to a... Maybe this works for some people. If you ever go to a casino, don't wear your Canucks t-shirt. Don't wear anything with their logo because bad it's things seem to happen. They just go backwards. <laughs> I mean, I felt bad for them. You know, I know they had less of a chance on Saturday of winning the draft lottery than in past years. But again, they didn't win. 
14 points in your last nine games. That didn't help the cause for the Canucks. Okay, so uh, as we said, every draft lottery, it seems, the Canucks get stuck in reverse. They go backwards. This year they started at number six. They ended up number seven. Of course, last year, two to five. They've had terrible lottery luck. But look who they got last year at fifth overall. Elias Pettersson. He was still available when it was their turn. And if his season in the top Swedish league as a 19-year-old foretells anything, the Canucks may have yet another Swede to be one of their offensive leaders in the near future. His next stop is the World Hockey Championships, which start later this week, where, of course, he will play for Sweden. Han har skapat sig själv energi också genom den här tidiga skotten. Oj. Här kommer Elias Pettersson i friläge mot Orkio Pettersson! Gör boll! Elias Pettersson bryter dödläget i den fjärde SM-finalen. Växjö har... He had a truly amazing year. Like, to accomplish the things that he accomplished uh, this season, we've never seen that before. Nylander swings it back across. Walking his passes. Pedersen had the kind of year even the Canucks couldn't have dreamt of. He won both the regular season and playoff scoring titles in the Swedish Elite League, and he was also named the playoff MVP. You look at some of the comparisons, you know, it's the Sedins on that list, uh, you know, the Forsbergs, some of, you know, real good player, NHL players. We select from Timra, Elias Peterson. Because of the way he dominated in Sweden, the Canucks expect he could make their team this coming September, even if he's a bit light at 165 pounds. He's got real good balance on his skates, and he uses leverage good, like to you know lean into people and to buy time with the puck, and he can change directions so fast. Like, and I think you know he's deceptive, and that that makes him good. So he's going to be an exciting, exciting player to watch for us going forward and a big part of our future. Well, he could have been a Canuck. They actually took Jared McCann just before David Pasternak. McCann was traded in his first season, and Pasternak is a star in Boston. Now you win some, you lose some. Okay, game two. Bruins lightning. Bruins won the first game. Yanni Gord makes it 1-0 on the power play. In the first period, here's some more nice passing. That was nice passing. Look at this. Marchand ends up finally on the stick of Charlie McAvoy. 1-1. Now, can you tell me what Tuka Rask is doing here, the Bruins goalie? Does he know where this shot's coming from? Hey, where are you going? Tyler Johnson, 2-1. Now it's 3-2 in the third for Tampa as they try to even up the series. Well, this really should be the Toronto Raptors' year where they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs. Game one tomorrow in their series, second round series. The last two years, the Cavs have eliminated the Raptors from the postseason. But this time, Toronto has the better team on paper. But of course, the Cavaliers have the better player in LeBron James. He can do it all by himself, that's true. But he barely pulled Cleveland out of its first round playoff series against Indiana. Mind you, the way he plays at the age of 33 he is still uber dangerous. He shows no signs of slowing down just yet. thought I had a good motor, but his motor is, is, is unreal. He's got a Lamborghini motor, so it's amazing to see what he's able to do. Three seconds left. Cleveland triggers in. James, two seconds, one second for the win. Yeah. He's, he's always told us, you know, your body's what's going to keep you going. You got to take care of it and do the right thing. And, and for him to be able to do all that, it, it's, it's unreal. 
it's crazy, especially in year 15. Jeez, if I could find out the remedy for that, I'll definitely take it. How about that, eh? Up in the air, she's still going, Kish. Nathan Wong is chasing hard. Kish going from the corner, trying to swipe her off, and she does it all by herself. Jennifer Kish. Jen Kish calling it a career. She did say before that this would be her final year, but she had to cut it even shorter because of neck and back injuries. Rep Canada for more than a decade, started as a 15s player, then on the Rugby Sevens where she was a captain for many years, helped uh, Canada win an Olympic bronze medal in 2016, considered one of the best Rugby Seven players of her generation. Just taking two points. Watford at Wembley today taking on Tottenham. Spurs getting closer to finalizing a Champions League berth, 16 minutes. Uh-oh, Christian Eriksen over to Deli Alley. That's easy. one nothing. For Tottenham. And they add to their lead in the 48th minute. Harry Kane. Trippier's on the scene. Kane. 2 0. 2 0. Notches another one. Excuse me. Moves on to 27 goals of the campaign, four fewer than Mo Salah. This is what we're talking about. Look where Trippier starts. Salah make that. And they win. There you go. Spurs, five points up on Chelsea with the final Champions League berth in Premier League. There you go. Thank you, Squire. Coming up on ET Canada, we're with the winners at the Daytime Emmy Awards, plus Jane Fonda and Don Johnson on romance, movie sequels, and book clubs. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thank you very much, Sangeeta. All right. Remember Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. The movie? Yeah. What's his name? Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. Very gifted at doing things like this. Yeah, he did hair, he did shrubberies. <laughs> anyway, this man doesn't have scissor hands, but he is just, I don't know how he is at cutting hair, but he's very good with the shrubberies. And we went uh, and found him in Burnaby. Here's the story. Manuel Fernandez is lord of his own jungle, where animals from different continents and even different geologic time scales happily coexist. How many, how many figures do you have? Well, about 50. And he made all of this without any training. There is no courses for this. Everything that you see here, learn by error and trial sticks, and error. Trial and, error. and this from a man who doesn't consider himself an all-around artist. No, I can't draw an apple if my life depends on it. But no. you can make a dinosaur and an elephant and... Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that I don't understand. Some days I, I thought to myself, what mess did I get myself into? This guy here is uh, a bear. The topiary portion of his yard isn't all that's impressive. There's this miniature totem pole that he carved, of course. How long did that take? Uh, probably took me oh, a couple of weekends. There's the exotic fruits that he grows. And the koi he has in a pond that he, of course, built. Now, again, is this kind of like your, your skills with the shrubbery you just sort of learned? Learned, yes. But this, this, you have books about this. Yeah, right. Where topiaries, there are no books. There are no books. And it's his foliage friends that have made his house in Burnaby almost like a tourist attraction. Which one of these pieces is the most popular when people come to visit? I think they're all. I think they're, I think they're probably the elephant and the, the big guy there, the... Uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex? Yeah. yeah. 
And if you'd like to do your own yard the same way, but fear making a mistake trying to build one of these? You would think that this is very difficult. No. If I can do it, anybody can. One good thing about it is that if you make a wrong cut, hey, wait next year. It's going to go back. <laughs>